outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. First Light has always made the world's best base layers. They're warm, breathable, silent, and odor-resistant. But the women's fit and the gear weren't meeting our demands, so we went back to the beginning and rebuilt everything. Re-engineering the gear with the most dedicated female hunters in mind, First Light modernized the fit and added more sizes, colors, and camo patterns. I personally have been testing the women's gear over the last couple of years, uh, from the mountains in Idaho to the plains in Nebraska, and I feel like the fit especially has landed in a much better spot. It's more true to size. It's not as tight and binding in certain areas like a lot of women's fit. Uh, All of the pieces, to me, got an all-around upgrade. It's awesome to see. So for yourself or as a gift this Mother's Day, pick up First Light's new women's merino wool and get free shipping on all orders containing women's gear. Available now at F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E dot com. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, bringing you the latest reports from the Whitetail Woods. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel for the stand, saddle, or blind. First Light. Go farther, stay longer. And now, your hosts, KC Smith and Tyler Jones. This is Rut Fresh Radio. I'm your host, Casey Smith. It is officially Whitetail Hive Week. Everybody is going wild, including the big bucks. We have a big cold front coming in this week across the country, and everybody is stoked. However, you still have to make the right moves. Let's figure out what those are. This is Rut Fresh. Let's go. Welcome to Rut Fresh Radio, brought to you by First Light Gear. I'm your host, Tyler Jones, and I've got another host here. His name is KC Smith. Finally, dude. I actually <laughs> get to do some work for once. Tyler yeah. Jones has been holding it down on the uh, Rut Fresh, dude. Way to go. It ain't that much work. Yeah, it's not. Unless you're me or you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it is. That's right. Oh, That's it, man. No, it's, it's actually a lot of fun to get to talk to all these people, especially when you got, you know, guys like Giannis Patelis on the phone with you who could just, you know, tell you – just stories that you just key in on, man. Mm-hmm. Somehow people like that can just hold your attention so well, you know. And yeah. He, uh, he's been out there, you know, doing a bunch of stuff up in the upper Midwest. We've got guys from the Midwest doing this. Uh, we got guys from the South this week. But everybody is taking rut vacations to the Midwest. So we wanted to have this week be a Midwest-heavy uh, episode. Why so it radiates out from the Midwest. For sure. I mean, it truly does. I, I love Texas. I mean, we have a rich hunting culture here for whitetail deer especially, but, I mean, Iowa, Kansas, Illinois, Missouri, that's just what you think of. And the beauty of those states, man, is like you can go hunt um, you know, your, your uncle's property, it's 160 acres or mm-hmm. a pe- public piece. And you stand a chance of like a big, big deer showing yeah. up. But in Texas, you kind of got to have some money mm-hmm. to have, you know, most of the time, mm-hmm. right? Not all the time. Yeah, but you like, can feel great about a 40 an hour. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. It's just a, it's a different, different animal. It and is, that's man. why it's cool. Yep. It ain't, we ain't being critical. It is awesome. Sure. And I hope I get to hunt there next year. Yeah, man. Uh, but it seems as if, 
the cold front has pushed through. There's been some hot weather. Yeah. You made some choices Bad according ones. to hot weather. Bad ones. Well, tell me about those choices, Ty. Mm-hmm. Why do I have to tell everybody this? <laughs> There's like thousands of people that are going to hear how dumb I am. No, no, no. Uh, so you uh, you came home from a winter wonderland. My and, goodness. And uh, with a nice buck in tow, potentially. Thanks, man. Um, potentially. But, <laughs> and then, um, you know, we were fixing to get ready to go on our kind of rut vacation. And uh, we're trying to figure out what date. And you're like, ah, you know, going to spend a little bit of time with the family and then go out this day. And I was like, I was going to go a day before you. Well, um, I looked for my, my e-tag, but I was looking for the physical version mm. of this e-tag. It's funny how the, what the <laughs> e means, right? <laughs> I looked for like an it hour does. and a half, dude. I was I tore my entire house apart, just my truck. I cleaned my truck pretty much, but <laughs> I did. And could not find the thing. I was eating dust. I'm highly allergic, so I'm just sitting there just sneezing and throwing a fit, you know. And uh, then I realized, and finally I was like, okay, this is, is it an e-tag? I've never done an e-tag before, so mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe. Uh, so anyway, yes, um, I looked for that for a while. I got tired, um, and I sit down, and I look, I start looking at the trail cameras from this area that we're going, and I'm like, man, uh, there's like no daylight pictures of bucks and hardly even does over the last like three days. And I start thinking, you know what? It's been pretty hot, actually. It's mm-hmm. It warmed up a lot after that cold front. And, I mean, in Texas, it's been in the 80s, you know. Um, and so I'm just sitting here thinking, man, let's just look at the weather and see when the hot streak ends. Well, it ends, you know, Thursday for most of the country or whatever is when mm-hmm. – when, Wednesday, Thursday is when kind of that cold front starts to come in. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll wait a little bit later uh, to go and do some some hunting. And lo and behold, uh, instead of leaving that morning and hunting that afternoon, I uh, decided to leave a few days later. Well, that next morning comes and, um, you know, no big deal. I think you had just gotten home. I'm doing some work stuff. And then, uh, that evening comes around when I should be hunting and there are some golden pictures of a Mondo eight point. There's a couple in there in daylight in the last few days. Yeah. So it's, uh, there's this thing, there's this thing, there's a, there's a, there's a slope um, that continuously goes up as it goes to the right on the graph. And um, it goes up until it starts going back down probably in like maybe maybe mid to late November. Mm-hmm. But it's going up right now, and it is, it is rut movement essentially, right? Mm-hmm. And every day... So, like, you have another you have another uh, line that cr- that can cross this slope at any point and give you your amount of deer movement, and it's called weather, right? Mm-hmm. And so, your weather can help at times. It can move that point up and down this this slope of deer movement, right? So, we got to the point where we're at the point now where deer movement is about at the peak that it can possibly be at on a standalone basis, mm-hmm. and then. You know, the so that the weather doesn't even affect this thing. And whereas, like, in the last few days, weather kind of still affected it because they're still not fully where the peak of that deer movement is, oh, right? Good news for you. So the XY data point for later this week is real good. Because the weather's going to push the, it. The weather's going to be good. So that's, yep. the, that's the kind of the shining piece in this thing is yep. that your decision still might have been good because yep. I just checked the trail camera. There's a brand new buck on there oh you're i don't know if he's a shooter or not he's kind of young but he's big 
I so, mean, you know, 170 is a shooter even if he's two years old for me. <laughs> I, guarantee you, I guarantee uh, you. He's at eight point with long tines. Uh, <clears throat> but um, so but that's anyway, the kind of thing that can happen this yeah, time. Yeah, now I'm just, that's what I was getting yeah. to is I, I made a dumb point uh, way too long, but like a good point way too long by being dumb. So <laughs> um, anyway, the, the, uh, the as the days go into November, past that first week, even um, I think you just even despite weather being mm-hmm. warm, you start to see, and that's where we got to where, you know, we had we didn't have quite the rut uh, influence mm-hmm. and the, the testosterone influence to have. It just it was a perfect storm. Me looking at cameras, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well it's the fifth or sixth or whatever it is. It's like it's time, and yep. they just show up anyway, even if it's seventy to eighty degrees or whatever. Yeah. Well, if you think Tyler and I make good decisions or bad decisions or indecisive, uh, either way, if you want to hear more about what we think about the rut, we've been doing a rut Q and A. We've got yep. a ton of questions about the rut. So if you go check out the Element Podcast, we just launched a brand new Q&A on that. And then also coming up soon, if you heard a little allusion to maybe a deer that might have went down up in the north country on some public ground, you want to hear, hear that story, go check out the Element Podcast as well. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that. But today, we're going to get into some rut hype yes, from a couple are. guys around the country. Who are those dudes? Well, so we've got our good buddy, Reed Strobel, who's been on before at some point in this season. I think he was the first week. He sure was. And he, he hunts uh, that trifecta area of the U.S. where they don't really know where they're from. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like the Indiana, o- Kentucky, uh, O-N-D- Ohio, yeah. uh, maybe yeah. Tennessee is even in there. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so he's he's actually killed him his first buck in uh, it, with a trad bow in Indiana um, this week. So he's giving us a report from Indiana, which is uh, a state that you don't hear. It kind of flies under the radar a little bit, but it has the potential to have big big deer. In fact, I think the number two typical from last year, the number two typical in the world came from Indiana, right? Uh. I don't remember. I believe so. But I do know that there are some giants there. I talked yep. to a guy a few years back that had a ranch there and or a farm, whatever they call them up there, and, yeah, monsters. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, we also have, uh, like I mentioned earlier, our good buddy Giannis Patelis. He's been up in Wisconsin doing the Latvian thing up there and hunting them deer, you know. Is that uh, – they, they call that Eastern Europe? <laughs> What, are they, what, are, what is that? Wisconsin? No, uh, Latvia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. It's a. Uh, I don't know for sure where it's at. There is a polka influence in Wisconsin, right? That's what yeah. I. I remember when we did when we put together the Illinois mm-hmm. uh, buck truck, and we were real close to Wisconsin. There was a bunch of people telling me that that uh, polka music was big up there. Uh, Jake Hofer, another good buddy of ours, who's one of those guys like Sam Hogan. If you heard him last week, he is like. Uh, just the humble laughy guy that mm-hmm. that pretends like he can't kill deer, and then every year he ends up killing mondos. Uh, and he also has got his thumb on the pulse, dude. Oh, he does. Like he is tax sharp. Yeah, dude. I'm let, listen. If you know this guy, do not tell him anything. <laughs> That's right. Okay, he will figure it out. He makes fun of us for finding all his spots because we have, but <laughs> he will do the same back to you. So you got to watch that guy, Jake Hofer in Illinois. Man, he's got a good report. Killed a nice buck, and then. Uh, Oh, Lay McNasty from Louisiana, down south, yep. hanging out in the swamps, getting Mac Nasty down there. He's been out hunting, uh, actually, in the Midwest, in Missouri, uh, but he's now back in his, I guess, home state of Louisiana, mm-hmm. right? And he's yeah. doing some hunting around there, so he's got a good report for us. From the south, uh, things are starting to pop off there as well. So we're going to get all these guys on the phone and uh, see what is going on all throughout the Midwest and there in Louisiana. Once again... World famous Reed Strobel, the man who first made the mullet popular. What's going on, dude? 
Man, that is quite the intro. What's going on? Oh, you know, <laughs> what's going on, guys? Just uh, interviewing a guy who's killed a buck in Indiana. What about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, uh, you know, been been hunting really hard. Talking to a couple of Texas guys that are that are working hard right now. So yeah, we're, you got, we're doing good. You doing got good. some buddies up there that are from Texas, and y'all been deer hunting a little That's bit, correct. right? How's it yes, been? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, it's it's been incredible. This weekend just was pretty much textbook as hard a pre-run as you could get cold fronts you know real cold in the morning good evening sits warm up and basically we had deer around us we hunted saturday morning saw five deer three bucks two does i killed my buck on that evening saturday evening and then we killed two more bucks yesterday morning on sun, sunday the the fifth Two Golly, back back man. in 30 seconds that's <laughs> maximizing the rut right there okay so that's right we yeah. gotta unpack yeah. this just a little bit how okay that's a special thing to happen what's the tactic because it had to they had to be kind of connected right what's the tactic that made that happen yeah so yeah absolutely so the three bucks are separating on two separate properties but so mine was actually you know hunting on private land at my folks which was really cool i killed is my first buck with traditional equipment and he was working he was right mouth open you know working a bench and checking you know he, he stopped for i actually shot him while he was moving you know he basically never never really stopped he's just kind of slowly trotting through and shot him at eight yards double lung and he literally died mm. died in 20 yards mm. Never knew it happened. Yeah, it was incredible. So he and did then, go 20. Uh, <laughs> literally went 20. Yes, that's right. Literally went 20. Just, yeah. oh, man. Yeah, yeah, in- incredible. He didn't even know what happened. He stood underneath my tree and had the wobbles, you know, un- underneath me and then did a death dive and died and rolled down the hill at 20 yards. It was, wow. it was while my buddy from Texas who drove didn't sleep for 36 hours watched the entire thing happen mm, that's cool it is cool it, man not, yeah died right in front of his tree it was incredible nice yep, yep. nice but yeah he was working you know basically we were set up on a bench expect we had the wind in our favor expecting him you know deer to be working that bench trying to catch a set of a hot doe yeah essentially yeah. so cruising bucks is the thing and you're finding benches exactly. on, on terrain that do that or are those deer using the wind mostly or is it they're just coming in to a place they know does hang out or what's that look like the three bucks that we've had um less one of them one was a little different than the other ones but two were wind in their favor they're working these benches in the morning we had killed the one working a bench you know trying to catch those rising thermals and then my buck was at the lowest bench on the ridge or on the hill face and uh trying to pull those thermals down to him and we were set up just below him gotcha gotcha so uh are they heading are those benches heading towards uh food source or are they heading towards doe bedding or? yeah so the the one that but both of them are coming from bedding going to a food source was the travel route or vice versa. One was coming even one in the morning, so they're basically going to the food source or coming back, and these benches are running from gotcha. one to the other. Gotcha. And then the the biggest of the three bucks, we rattled in and had him at. I had him at twenty eight, and he he swung to get our wind, buggered on us, and went straight up the hillside and walked fifteen yards underneath my buddy, his big, biggest buck of his life, mm. and 
yeah, I killed it with his grandpa's compound, an old 84 Oneida. So that was really, really cool. It was, yeah. a, it was an incredible experience. And um, I actually had to use a had to use a drone to, to end up finding it. That's so we cool. found it. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was very interesting, but it did work. He went 700 yards. It was a, it was a gut shot and uh, found him 700 yards and, and went and got him this How morning. How about so, that? No wanton know, waste cool. up in your neck of the woods, man. Good no, stuff, no, man. We, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Good to all means necessary. Yeah, yeah. So in the next week – uh, do you expect things to be very similar? I'm. We've got a, the next couple of days. Um, I just well, from ca- trail cameras. We just pulled a couple of cams. Things are were really really hot for the over the weekend. I think it's going to slow down for a day or two. But we've got a front coming in on Thursday, and I think it, this it's going to fire up. And this weekend's going to be Sweet. really good. They're they're pushing hard, and I've noticed it's been a lot of younger bucks that have been pushing the does. I don't know quite how many, you know, I haven't seen a doe and he with five bucks chasing her by any means yet, but I think there's mature bucks this week into this weekend is going to be when you see the, you know, what everyone's looking for, the crazy, crazy. Yeah. Ride where I like to hear it, man. You so it's going to happen. You know? If you had to rank it on a scale of one to 10, what are you going to call it? I'm going to give the next two days a good old five probably, but I'm giving Thursday to Saturday a nine. Ooh, mm. that's a high number. Let's go. I like cool, it, Reed. Well, I think, appreciate I, it, man. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put, put a high number on it. I, I think like it's going it. to be really good. And we're going to see some big We're going to see some big ones get killed. I think. That's awesome, awesome, dude. Well, congrats on all the success y'all are having up there, man, and I uh, can't wait to see the next big buck picture you send us. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all. On the phone, I have got Giannis Putelis with Meat Eater. He is in Wisconsin hunting up some whitetail deer. Giannis, what's going on, man? Uh, I'm, I'm hammering, man. I'm putting my uh, rutcation. Uh, it's gone from rutcation to the rut grind. That's oh, what's yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah, what, where is the pivot point on that exactly? <laughs> I would say it's probably around day six or seven for oh. me because I think I'm about nine days in. So I was I was I was I was pretty high spirited all the way through that, but uh, I also hit a buck and didn't recover it, and so that's that's been a little, little bit of a low point, a little bit of a hole I'm climbing out of. But I got one day left, and the weather's going to be nice and cool, and the wind's going to be calm in the morning. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to. Hopefully one more day of good rut hunting. Yeah, man, that's good. I'm, I'm sorry you didn't recover that buck, but that's bow hunting. You know, it's a very cliche thing to say, but if you are a bow hunter, you understand that for sure. Yeah, you have a big time span there that you've spent in the woods. So I'm sure you've got to see, like, the rut come alive almost, which is, like, a really great priv- privilege. But what have the deer been doing the past few days there in Wisconsin? Uh, just the past few days um, – you know, I, when I sh- when I shot my buck, he was on his feet at three thirty in the afternoon, wow. just cruising, just cutting across uh, doe trails that led from a ridge down to uh, to a cor- uh, to a standing cornfield. And I knew I had a half dozen, you know, trails going up and down from the does, and there was a trail going across all of them. And I figured, you know, some bucks would be would be cruising it. And sure enough, he was at, at three thirty. Um, just about every day this week, I've had all day activity of some cruising of some sort. Surprisingly, the only day that I've actually seen a buck with a doe was October 30th. 
Hmm. That was the one day I saw big front, I guess, huh? A hundred percent. Like I got in here right when that front got here. I was probably, I was one day late. I missed the first day of it, but then I was in in the tree on the 30th. And, um, yeah, they came by me right at first light. It was too dark still to shoot. But, um, but like I said, ever, ever since then, it's been good activity almost all day long. I'm hunting the ridge tops mostly so I can have good wind. They seem to be more active, more action up there in the mornings. My evenings up there tend to be a little bit slower. And so I've been the last few days, aside from looking for that buck, I've been moving off the ridge tops and trying to hunt down closer towards the ag and the valley bottoms in the evenings. You've mentioned the wind a couple of times, Jonas. What can you kind of explain the dynamic you have going on there? What hypothesis you have as to why the evenings are slower than the mornings, or vice versa? Or what what all's going on there exactly? Well, I wish I knew. Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have a dead um, deer, maybe. It's, it's very it's very hilly country. Um, we've got about. 200 to 250 feet of elevation um, relief between the valley bottoms and the ag and and these ridge tops. And um, some of these draws and and valleys aren't more than, you know, a couple hundred, 300 yards apart. And so when you get these, anything that picks up over 10 miles an hour, really, when it comes across those ridge tops and then it drops into these bowls, who knows what it's doing? I'm still trying to figure all that out. So this is um, country so, that you grew up hunting, right? This is kind of like your childhood deer camp. And uh, I know just from talks with you, you kind of uh, came into archery hunting as an adult a little bit more. So how has your approach changed in that type of country as you kind of have to change or do change your tactics? Uh, you know, it's it's big woods country. We don't. There's no besides the the little bit of ag that's at the at the foot of the hills. Although otherwise, everything, all the land, you know, the four or five hundred acres I have access to is basically just all big, mature oak forest. Um, there's been some clear cutting done in there and some selective cutting, but for the most part, you're hunting woods, and so finding the edge habitat, finding the funnels is tricky. It's it's not easy to do so a lot of times the easiest thing to do is just find where three or four ridges come together Mm. and set up set up on the downwind side of that um but i'd say the biggest thing that's just changed from being just a kid coming up here rifle hunting to you know now being a a bow hunter is just having to you know take that take what you think about the deer movement in this country and just pinpoint it down to a place where you're going to have a 20 yard shot Mm mm-hmm are there any acorns falling? <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, they're actually not because they've all fallen, but there are places where you will literally roll down the hill <laughs> like they're ball bearings. Um, we had we had such a good acorn crop this year. A lot of them actually, some of the, like one of my spots I love to hunt, is, I call it the Oak Flat. It's just, a, it's just kind of one of those ridge tops, but it, it, it opens up and it's 80 yards across. Um, and I walked that thing and it's pretty, it's just been picked clean. So the bears and the deer and the turkey have all been in there just hammering those acorns. So there's a few places where you can find a bunch of them, but the the critters have been on them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, we have another cold front that's supposed to kind of move through the country over the next week. And I know that you're fixing to wrap up your hunt here, but as any good hunter, I'm sure you're sitting there thinking about just what might happen in the woods going forward. What do you expect the deer to be doing here in the next week? 
Uh, well, it seems like with that cold front, the, the pressure is also going to come up. And it sure seemed like over the last week when that pressure was high, there was a little bit more mo- movement than when it dropped off, which, you know, I think everybody knows that they tend to move more when the, the pressure's up. So that's coming uh, with this cold front. So that's going to be good. Um, but I'd say in general, it's just going to keep getting better and better and better. And I still think from today, which is the uh, seventh, right, guys? Yeah, they might like be that. the sixth. Yeah, six. but this will go out on the eighth. Six or, yeah. six or seventh. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been a long stretch for me. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's still going to be two or three good days of just that, like, good kind of seeking cruising activity until you start getting some bucks that are going to be more into, you know, finding their dough and getting locked down. And then you're going to get into that part where you're like, Oh man, nothing's going on. But it's just because you're not in that spot where every, everything's going on, mm-hmm. you know? So with all this in mind, if you had to put a number on it from a, on a scale of one to 10, what would you, what would you like guess that the buck movement is going to be like in the next week? Nine. All right. <laughs> hey, you're like the third but, you guy. Know, I'm, a, I'm an inter- I'm an eternal optimist, and I've I've been hunting like a, I'd say like a six or a seven, and and I just feel like it's just ramp. It's gonna ramp up again, with, like you guys said, with this next cold front, and so. uh yeah, man, it, it's going to be good. I wish I had more days. Yeah, man. <laughs> I appreciate the optimism, dude. And the cumulative score this week is like really high. We're looking at it's like nearly a, a forty. Uh, it's like thirty-eight. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's officially Whitetail Hop Week, and we appreciate you being on to share the hop, Giannis. Thanks, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, guys. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that Seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it do its job. Now, you probably know someone who's used a can of Seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. First Light has always made the world's best base layers. They're warm, breathable, silent, and odor-resistant. But the women's fit and the gear weren't meeting our demands, so we went back to the beginning and rebuilt everything. Re-engineering the gear with the most dedicated female hunters in mind, First Light modernized the fit and added more sizes, colors, and camo patterns. I personally have been testing the women's gear over the last couple of years, uh, from the mountains in Idaho to the plains in Nebraska, and I feel like the fit especially has landed in a much better spot. It's more true to size. It's not as tight and binding in certain areas like a lot of women's fit. Uh, All of the pieces, to me, got an all-around upgrade. It's awesome to see. So for yourself or as a gift this Mother's Day, pick up First Light's new women's merino wool and get free shipping on all orders containing women's gear. 
available now at F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E.com. Jake Hofer is on the way to Iowa, but he's been in Illinois hunting big bucks in a state that has a lot of them sometimes. At least in the past it has, Jake. Jake, you killed one recently, right? Yeah, man. I uh, I was fortunate enough to, to notch my Illinois tag on November 3rd in the evening, about 530. Golly, this is one less big one in Illinois now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. One last, but there's still a few running around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, that's kind of early in the uh, in the rut for the scheme of things. And I know you pretty well. And I feel like you uh, usually you're kind of um, playing it safe and being conservative and slipping in on one a little later in the year usually. So I was just surprised that you went ahead and killed this early. Was there something that you really picked out on this deer that was like the tactic to go to? You know, I wish I could sound really smart and tell you all these different things I had figured out. But I was in Iowa hunting. I, I hunted in Iowa for eight days, and uh, I was in the stand um, Friday morning. I was like, man, I really feel like I can go back and kill a solid deer in Illinois over the weekend before things really crank off in Iowa. And so I packed up at 10 o'clock, drove straight to uh, the farm. And November 3rd has always been one of my favorite days. I feel that there's a lot of solid deer covering some distance. And... I did some work on this farm and ironically drove straight to the farm. This was the first time I ever set up in this new mouse trap, and I worked perfectly. Um, it was a deer covering some distance, not a deer that I had around very often. I had some velvet pictures of him, and it was just the classic. He was looking for a doe, I think. And uh, there were some other good deer that started to show up on that farm. And I think one of the biggest challenges this year is being there before it happens. And uh, there was just the inkling of information that things were starting to get really good there. So I drove straight there and uh, read the script 20 yards and, and had an Illinois buck down after like three hours in, in, the, in the blind there. So it was one of those weird things that doesn't work out often, but holy cow, when it does, you feel kind of smart. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you explain what the mousetrap is? Absolutely. So the mousetrap, so... I got this farm, there was a blind on it, and it was a situation where you'd have to, the access to the blind wasn't ideal. You'd have to walk where the deer, where they're bedded, are probably going to see you walk in. You have to walk straight through the food plot and lay down a lot of ground. So what I did this year is I I moved that blind and actually dozed in the new access road just straight down this hill. And uh, I could slip right in, not even step foot into the food plot. And how the architecture of the plot, there's a really good pinch where your shot's going to be 15 to 20 yards. And you're going to see them coming, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, it worked exactly how I imagined when I did it. And uh, that's really rewarding just to see some of that work actually pay off and uh, everything come together because mm-hmm. it makes, makes up for all the times where it doesn't work out yet. You have yeah. a plan. Was it, was, uh, so was the deer eating in the food plot, or was he cruising? He was cruising, yeah. So he was cruising. I seen him, and uh, when I saw him, I was like, man, this deer has a big frame. And I was like, you, you kind of go through that archive in your brain as fast as possible as you see him coming. And I was like, man, he's got a big frame. I think he's got a sticker on his too. And so that, in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm pretty sure I had one in the summer that was like that. And it was it was definitely that deer. And uh, it was kind of funny. I grunted at him. He was 20 yards. I probably shouldn't have grunted at him. I know there's a debate. Do you stop the deer or do you not? And I tried stopping him. I was already at full draw. And he whipped and looked square at me. And so he's looking square at me. I'm not taking that shot. And then he started to quarter away, but it was still a hard quartering two shot. And I, I put it right right in his armpit. And, and uh, 
you know, I didn't see him go down. And this is probably something, this is probably timely information for everyone. I did not see him down, go down. I got my arrow and uh, I felt it was a good shot, but I was a little concerned with how hard he was quartering to. If my shot was just two inches further back, it was probably going to be a straight stomach gut shot, but it ended up being a heart, lung, and stomach shot. And uh, there was not a lot of lung blood or anything on the arrow. It was mainly stomach. So I backed out overnight, and then we got a dog, and, and we found the deer, um, you know, really only 120 yards from where I shot him. So oh. uh, we played it safe, and it worked out perfectly. Nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm glad that, that went went good for you so you know going forward that was like the first week of november right now we're kind of looking at somewhat the second week of november do you still feel like those deer are going to be on that seeking type activity or would you think that guys might move in from the uh, field edge and go kind of more to the the thick stuff i think now is probably the time where you want to start going to that thick stuff and i a lot of the cameras i have on food sources right now there's still some does in there and there's some food sources that are quite a bit um you know a lot less activity than maybe a week or so ago. And I have to imagine that now's the time to get in the classic downwind of bedding or a really good pinch and log hours. And uh, I think that's probably a really good tactic for right now to hopefully get an opportunity at a buck you've been running around chasing. Yeah, sweet, man. I'm excited to tell you the truth after talking to you about this stuff. If you had to give the next week a ranking from a scale of 1 to 10 on buck movement, what would you give it? Man, so I would say historically i re- so november 3rd november 10th are my favorite days obviously november 10th is this week so uh whether it's slightly biased from past experience i mean i'm gonna give this thing a nine out of ten i think it's gonna be really good we, we have we have this front rolling in and i think those really big deer are gonna start running around i know it's dependent on the country but in illinois if you're listening i would uh i would get a little aggressive and i would go log some hours at eight nine ten eleven and uh, really enjoy it because it, it'll only be those days once this year, believe it or not. Mm, man, man, I love it, dude. Thanks for the report. Thanks for the hype. Let's go, Jake. Kill a big one in Iowa. All right, fingers crossed. Good catching up. On the phone, I have got Louisiana's own Lay McNasty. You might have seen him in some videos like how third grade girls fight and other things, but the dude is also a big buck killer. Man, what's going on down there in Louisiana? Oh, nothing much. Just uh, trying to wait on the big ones down here. I just got back from Missouri. Now I got to see if I can get it done in Louisiana. A hot dog. Louisiana is one of those places that has like quite a variety of rut dates, correct? Oh, absolutely. So how do you time that kind of stuff out? Do you Can you travel like, you know, 40 miles this way and hunt a rut in early November and travel 40 miles that way and hunt late December and have a rut? Yeah, you know, I actually believe you can. I haven't personally done it, not that I wouldn't, but I, I want to say, I, I don't want to butcher it or be wrong about it, but I think up in northern Louisiana, the rut might start a little bit earlier. Where I'm from, it normally we can kind of rely on the rut to happen around Thanksgiving. You know, like I've, I can't count the times I've seen good buck movement on Thanksgiving Day, and I actually killed one on Thanksgiving last year. And I want to say in December, that might be when bucks are running around uh, down in southern Louisiana. Man, the old swamp bucks down there. That's oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So you've been out a little bit this week. What tactics are you kind of hitting trying to catch that pre-rut action? You know, right now I'm, I've been currently just wanting to see what the deer are doing right now. Uh, most of it's just hunting creek bottoms where we know we've, we've got good pictures of deer traveling through. Um, but, you know, right now it's just been a lot of – 
does still with their fawns, you know, and younger bucks cruising around eating. But we haven't, I personally haven't seen much of even the early um, signs of the rut, but that's always the case around this time in my experience. Are you hunting food plots or acorn trees or, you know, oak trees or whatever, or, you know, how you, well, yeah, what are you focused on? Well, on our lease that we have, we actually have a lot of success with, uh, I don't know if you've heard of them brand bags. Uh, we use a lot of rice bran. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because man, that, that we've, we've been using this persimmon rice bran and it almost seems like that's just candy to the deer there. And strangely enough, I've got another spot I hunt to where brand doesn't work as, as well. Uh, so I don't know, mm-hmm. these deer just seem so accustomed to it here. So do you have to keep that stuff up off the ground to where it doesn't like get wet? Or how does that work? Uh, we we don't. Um, I mean, we've never had a problem with that. If we do, where it does rain, like when you go to your stand, we'll just walk out and kind of kick out all the kind of solidified brand just to kind of let the fresh brand fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's almost like a gravity bag that to where it kind of keeps refreshing. Is uh, do you guys have persimmon trees in your area? I think we do, but not not. I I, I think I, I think I kind of misheard what you were saying. You I, in I thought you were talking about just in Louisiana. I don't know if we have persimmon around where I'm hunting. We might, but I don't think I've ever seen one. Gotcha. Yeah, I was, I was interested because we did a test on that with uh, flavored corn a while back, and persimmon did pretty well if I remember correctly mm-hmm. in that video. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there, yeah, we have persimmons around though. So I just wondered if there was some <laughs> sort of correlation between that. Right. But yeah. anyway, so so uh, you the movement hasn't been you haven't seen hardly any rut movement. Have you seen decent just bed to feed you know normal daylight activity yeah. or um, is it mostly at night? Well, I mean we've we've got two uh, I, I call them our shooter bucks. Um, they're two good deer. One's like a real tall brow tine nine point and uh, a, a good looking ten. But most of theirs has been night. But they have kind of come out and started feeding. Uh, I realized one of them came out at like, this was before the, the time change the other day, but it came out around like 7 a.m. to where if somebody was in the stand, they could have got them before, uh, right after hunt, shooting hours. But uh, right now, I don't know. It seems like we're in that stage right now to where now the bucks are kind of, the big mature deer are kind of disappearing now because it always seems like right before the rut, your bucks want to kind of disappear mm-hmm. and stop coming to your food sources that we put out. So, I mean, right now it's just been, I think the last buck I saw when I went hunting, like I think two days ago was like a good young eight. He was a big body deer, but um, I'm still not even seeing <laughs> you know deer open up scrapes around mm. um but i in my opinion i think it's a matter of time maybe in, within this week before you start seeing all those signs like that yeah. so yeah that's what i kind of want to ask you about next is as this next week progresses if you start seeing scrapes pop up and stuff is that going to be something that you focus on I, yeah i think so mm-hmm. um i during that time i feel like it's very common to kind of start seeing those cruiser bucks coming around and just kind of wait on them to check on stuff and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So looking forward then, I know you mentioned like a Thanksgiving type rut, so we're still very much pre-rut, but that's ramping up every day. If you had to give it a prediction on a scale of one to ten, how do you feel like buck movement will be back or be like over the next week? In my opinion, I would probably give it like a seven. Other people might disagree or agree, but I, I mean, I would think it would be kind of like that that week to where you can really expect to see some different movement. Mm-hmm. 
You know, yeah, it's a good time to catch a deer on his feet slipping for the first time, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool, man. Well, hey, I really appreciate the report. It's cool to get to talk to somebody from Louisiana and uh, keep it up, dude. Look forward to some big buck pictures. Awesome. I appreciate y'all getting in touch with me. As we said before, the hype is real. It is the second week in November. There is nowhere else you should be except maybe your own wedding or the birth of your child. Get in the woods right now because the deer are going crazy all across the country. Tyler Jones, my associate right here, my friend, my hunting partner, my buddy, has uh, definitely got his tab on the whitetail. And I do believe that Tyler Jones was featured in an article this past week North American Whitetail, potentially? Oh, yeah. Is I need right? to go try to pick a, a copy of that up. We'll put a link to that in, in the description. I think I think it's an online article. There might be a hard copy. I don't know. I, I think you're like center, your buck is centerfold yeah. in that thing. Yeah. Speaking of spotlighting things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, man. Uh, it's all good. No, that's, yeah, it was, uh, I was pretty surprised to find that out, actually. But that, that's pretty cool, man. I, I, th- I think that's pretty cool, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go get me a hard copy because I think that the picture I saw on social was a hard copy. But That would be sick. Yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. You know, speaking of articles, though, um, they're on the Wired to Hunt um, feed or whatever you want to call it on the website. There's a three-day rut hunt plan from Dylan Tramp. It's an article, um, you know, three days is what a lot of guys get, man. Mm-hmm. Take off on a Friday, hunt through Sunday, or take off on, you know, Thursday evening, hunt Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's what you got. So there's three-day uh, rut hunt plan article there. It might help you out, give you some thoughts, some creative juices, get them flowing. And then also we released a video on the Meat Eater channel just now. Um, if you're listening to this, it's probably a day old or so. You should go watch the video. KC um, is featured in this video as a guy smoking a big old just heavy toad of an eight uh million point animal uh, <laughs> <laughs> out in nebraska it's an awesome video little drama involved uh doing some new tactics that you've never never uh yeah, encountered that's what you call now. uncomfortable but um it's just you know people talk all the time about getting out of your comfort zone and um it's 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 good for sure. But sometimes I don't realize what my comfort zone is. I always think that like, oh, that just means like doing something harder. No, sometimes it just means doing something a lot different than what you're used to. Yeah. And uh, I definitely did that on this hunt and um, had to kind of, you don't want to say fly by the seat of your pants, but definitely make adjustments to what I was used to. And uh, I can attest, it was difficult for mm-hmm. me too. I mean, shooting out of them things was wild. Mm-hmm. Hay bale blinds. Mm-hmm. If you never hunted out of one, it's cool. But it's also it's also very particular the way things work out of yes. there. Yeah, especially with uh, some guy running a big shiny lens behind you. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of room and a lot of hot air in there. A lot of yeah. breaths. <laughs> Lots of breaths. <laughs> anyway, man, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with more Rut Fresh radio reports from all across the country. Casey, let's go kill some big old bucks. Let's do it. This, this has been Rut Fresh. Keep it fresh. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today 
at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. First Light has always made the world's best base layers. They're warm, breathable, silent, and odor-resistant. But the women's fit and the gear weren't meeting our demands, so we went back to the beginning and rebuilt everything. Re-engineering the gear with the most dedicated female hunters in mind, First Light modernized the fit and added more sizes, colors, and camo patterns. I personally have been testing the women's gear over the last couple of years, uh, from the mountains in Idaho to the plains in Nebraska, and I feel like the fit especially has landed in a much better spot. It's more true to size. It's not as tight and binding in certain areas like a lot of women's fit. Uh, All of the pieces, to me, got an all-around upgrade. It's awesome to see. So for yourself or as a gift this Mother's Day, pick up First Light's new women's merino wool and get free shipping on all orders containing women's gear. Available now at F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E dot com. 